children, we're starting. That's right. Showtime! Another fresh picked pod from audiotu.com. Shutters Inc. With Shelton Muller. People might wish to stay on and listen. Hi, and welcome to episode 78 of Shutters Inc. This is Bruce Williams from audiotu.com. With me on the line once again, Shelton Muller. How are you? Hey, good morning. Well, I've had my coffee, so I'm good. Yeah, I've got mine at the moment. Have you? Oh, so if I yes. hear a slurp, <laughs> you know, while I'm talking, then you'll then I know two things. You'll have your coffee and you'll be bored. Okay. So, so, so how are the lovely tropical suburbs of Melbourne this morning? Um, they're actually very sunny. There is a blue oh, sky. Really? Oh. There is there is a blue sky. There is warm morning light, and it's rather gorgeous. Oh, Why okay. do you ask? Oh, because it's bloody crisp here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, it look, it was five, cold. Five degrees about oh, half an hour ago when I took Kath to the train station. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, those who listen during the winters, the harsh winters of Montana or British yeah, Columbia or, or whatever, yeah. say, five <laughs> degrees, man, I'd be swimming, they'd be saying. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> but here in Australia, folks, it's uh, five degrees is oh that was a cold morning <laughs> yeah. you know uh, so. <laughs> no it's it's a, it's a gorgeous day here actually for, for those who of course not familiar with uh, melbourne it is known we get we get teased in melbourne for having you know four seasons in a day here and yep. uh, we do and we like the diversity but um <laughs> it's also considered one of the colder towns but let me tell you this when it rains in sydney bruce and you'd vouch for this oh, yeah. it really rains oh yeah <laughs> yes. Well, we so, found that out last week. <laughs> really? Oh, well, you could use the rain. Oh, you we're, haven't we're... been watching the news? Yeah, no, I've been watching the news. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, we had pretty amazing rain here last week. Or even worse up in Newcastle, which is uh, a couple of hours' drive north of here. Mm, they really mm. copped it big time. Mm, yes, of course, the, the stupid thing that dominated the news uh, here in in this country and probably every other was that talentless blonde who managed no. to go back to prison what three pages on the front you know there's there's people dying and yeah. uh, you know the front page of her crying because she has to go back to prison yeah uh, you know it's just your heart just bleeds for her doesn't it oh yeah yeah that's right I, yeah, saw a, I saw a story yesterday that said that the the average cost of keeping an inmate in an LA County jail for a day a female inmate uh, is $99 but for Paris Hilton it's costing them $1,100 a day <laughs> what oh is wrong with this place? Uh, the, the world no, is... no offense to our American listeners, but what the hell is going on over there? It's <laughs> uh, crazy. The same here, really. I mean, we're, yeah, well, we're the same true. here. That's if one of our, our, one of our football stars gets an injury, or uh, you know, uh, Shane Warren sends a, a rude <laughs> text message, you know, to a, to a young blonde on his phone, then it's front page. And yeah. you know, a family a family dies in a tragedy uh, is you know three page, three page, four page, five. Yeah. You know, and and without a picture, it's yeah. you know, it's we uh, have very little regard for human life these days. It would mm -hmm. appear. So uh, yeah, it's but so you know if I didn't catch up on all the news about the Sydney rains and the floods and things like that, it's because Paris Hilton went back to prison. <laughs> yeah. So you know, oh well. It's interesting what you say about uh, how much we value human life because I uh, I remember this was probably ten twelve years ago now. I was working at a country radio station. And the girl who ran the newsroom uh, at that radio station, because it was a, a very small country radio station, it was just a one-person newsroom, mm. she was telling me that there was essentially this formula um, which dictated how many people of a certain nationality needed to die for it to become newsworthy in Australia. 
So, you know, one Australian was equal to, say, two Americans, which was equal to maybe five British people, which was equal to maybe, you know, 10 people from an Asian country, which was equal to maybe, you know, it needed 25 people in South Africa before it was newsworthy, mm. or, you know, it needed mm. 100 people if it was from, you know, some tiny yes. little country you never... Which is just horrific, you know? You think, yes. God, how heartless are we? We, yeah, and, well, and I'm sure it's no different in any other country. Like, the, just the numbers change. <laughs> yes, yes. And they say that we don't become desensitised. We, we certainly do. <laughs> yes. You know, we certainly do. And, yeah. and I, you know, I mean, I have uh, newspaper clippings and things that, that, that I just keep for interest about uh, people who, you know, play Halo and then, you know, commit crimes. Yeah. Or, you know, there was one, there was a, a Soprano-style killing here in Australia, and he admitted that it was, it was influenced by... The show the sopranos wow um and you know these things you know and they argue we argue black and blue that these things don't desensitize us but of course Mm -hmm. they do yeah and if we don't believe if we haven't you know seen the rise in in and united states has seen this more than any other because of its gun laws its access to firearms makes things um you know and we have these uh columbine high school killings and and more recent killings in the amish community yeah virginia tech and 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 that that really uh is you know we we do we we I think perhaps one a couple of things happen we cocoon ourselves against the world and all its tragedies by by uh, uh, you know desensitizing ourselves to some degree and then um, we fascinate ourselves by lionizing you know no talent blondes like Paris Hilton <laughs> and I'm I'm being you know yeah, yeah. I know I, I'm not sounding you know facetious but uh, I think that's what that's how many in the Western world keep their lives interesting uh, mm. personally i keep mine interesting by um loving my family working for it enjoying my yep. work creating pictures and singing in the shower absolutely uh, you know little little the little things in life yeah but, you if know. you need to shoot something grab your camera yeah yeah that's right <laughs> like that segue <laughs> i think that's fabulous i think it's fabulous and you know in and in, in terms of of uh you know the take only pictures leave only footprints thing i i'm not a big fan of hunting and i won't i won't go on about it but to me if you want the thrill of a hunt uh you know, if you're a person who likes to go into the woods and face off with a wild animal, do so with a telephoto lens. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, because uh, that way you get to come back and do it tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Uh, you know, <laughs> to me, that makes a heck of a lot more sense. Uh, I'm not a vegetarian or anything like that. But um, uh, and, but I, and I do understand the thrill of the hunt. I do understand that, you know, uh, we like to go in and stalk and, you know, have that feeling of victory. I just don't understand the thrill of destruction. But that's yeah. me personally. Uh, but you know uh, that that's why I love photography you know because it gives you that sense of adventure it takes you to places that you know others don't normally go to in terms of uh, emotions and in terms of uh, you know uh, activities but without a you know without any distraction which is yeah. you know a good thing it is the best hobby in the world quite simply it's Absolutely. the best hobby in the world <laughs> we've so, got to, yeah go on I was just gonna say so what are we gonna talk about this week I don't know. I thought you told us <laughs> what we were going to talk about well, each was, week. Was there, lo- there was one thing that popped up this morning on Engadget, which I thought was worth sharing. I know there's not a lot of information here, but it, uh, essentially the story was Kodak colour filter technology could redefine low-light shooting. Hmm. And uh, reportedly Kodak has developed a colour filter technology that at least doubles the sensitivity to light of the image sensor in every digital camera. 
Bold mm. words, we know, but even Chris McNiff, general manager of the photography company's image sensor business, went so far as to say that this very invention would enable a 2x to 4x improvement in light sensitivity. So um, I'll put the link in the show notes, but, yeah, very, uh, very interesting. Mm. It would be great uh, if, if we were able to shoot. Now, it, 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 what the, I'm not sure what that will mean. Will it mean that we'll be able to take our cameras to 3,200 and 6,400 and, you know, uh, 12,800 in terms of ISO? Or will it mean that at lower ISOs, uh, like 400 and, and, and 800, which we can do... The noise. That we have, yeah, uh, you know, better signal-to-noise ratio uh, and, and, you know, therefore, you know, uh, less noise in the images. That would be fabulous. Mm. I mean, that, that would be absolutely terrific. And it sure would solve a lot of Paul Gowder's problems. Hey, Paul, how are you? Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about you in a minute, mate, so I hope your ears are burning. But, cool. uh, you know, it, it would be terrific. And let's, let's, let's wait and see, I suppose. Of course, the only thing is, wouldn't it be great? Now, here's a, if you're a camera company and you're listening, um, think of this, and it's probably the worst business idea, but it's, it would be great for us photographers. Wouldn't it be great if you could uh, change the sensor in your camera? If you could take it down to a technician and say, well, here's my camera. Um, I understand that there are better sensors now. Put the new sensor in. Um, that would be just fabulous. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? You could have it the, you could keep yeah. That way, if the new sensor came out, you could you could go to a technician, and you you'd have a variety of sensors, just like you used to walk up to the fridge in a professional camera store. Yeah, and you'd have these boxes of film in the fridge. You'd have your Fuji Velvia and your yeah. your Kodak, you know, uh, v, VPS or VCS. Oh boy, I'm going or back a few T-Max. years there. And your T Max Pros and all that, you know, in these little boxes in the fridge, and you'd, ooh, and you'd rub your hands as the choice was there. Sort of like a kid in a candy store. Now, wouldn't it be great if you could go to a technician and say, "Look, I really like the sound of that Fuji sensor. You know, can you uh, stick one in my D200? I prefer the D200 functionality, <laughs> but I like the Fuji sensor, or you know." Know, uh, I hear they've got a new low noise sensor there. La 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 la. You know that mm. would be that would be fabulous. That would In, be just interesting con- concept because I mean really it's it's not that hard to pull your computer apart, pull the CPU out, throw in a new CPU, and off you mm. go. Yeah. So yeah. really, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to implement something similar. Physically, if, if they logistically, to, as you said, from a business point of view, it might not make a lot of sense. But well, yeah, that's 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 my thought. You know, they'd prefer you buy a whole new camera, which yeah. you know is fine. But uh, you know, it, it would be great if it, it, it could be done. I'm I, mm. I'm sure it could be really. But because uh, some these days when you buy a digital camera, you once upon a time you bought a camera because you liked its function or it was the latest camera in your system. Uh, these days when you choose a camera, you you may love the way it functions, but you may not like the image that the sensor produces. Right. Uh, you know, it may have more noise or whatever than another sensor in a camera in a similar class, but you prefer the way this camera feels in your hand or you prefer its function over another. And it's 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 like the, the, the D200 and the Fuji S5 at the moment, this big shootout between mm. the two. That shouldn't happen. Uh, you should be able to, you know, just say, well, I like this camera, but I want this sensor. You know, that'd be fabulous. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love the Fuji S5. And, uh, you know, uh, we've had, uh, you know, uh, some of our readers send in, you know, images from the Fuji S5, but uh, uh, it, it's got issues with, with it in, in, you know, other areas that sort of put me off. But 
Well, you know, I did love the images that came straight out of it. So maybe that'll be the next boom industry aftermarket modifications for your digital SLR. <laughs> if you're a camera technician uh, and you're listening and you want to make a quick mill, uh, <laughs> you know, buy a few sensors from other companies and say, "Hey, I can do it." Stick your hand up. Say, "I can do it." Send me your camera. I'll put that sensor mm. in. I mean, I imagine there'd be it'd be you know harder to do than we say, but uh, yeah. I don't think it'd be impossible because there'd be know. software integration issues as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. You know, there'd be a whole bunch of you know technology behind the sensor that they need to work on. But hey, mm. it would be an interesting thought. So when this Kodak sensor comes <laughs> out, and if you're a low light shooter like Paul, who's constantly going to powwows to to photograph, uh, you know, the the Native the, Americans, the, yep. Native American uh, powwows that go on, yeah, you'd you'd have a great time with this sensor. Mm. And uh, we're going to get to you, Paul. I'm just keeping you hanging on the line here, mate, until we get to you. But a couple of couple of things first. Um, first of all, thanks, Tom, for your lovely uh, Tom uh, Neversley. Thank you very much for your uh, GorillaPod email, letting us know that you received yours. And uh, it's good to know that you did. And yes, we will keep up the, the, the good work. Um, I wanted also to say that uh, I've been using the Caplio GX100, the new Ricoh. Uh, everybody knows that I love my GR, yeah. um, and you know that's constantly on my hip. And in fact, uh, I am thinking, and I'd love to run this by you, Bruce, and all my readers, uh, right. listeners, oh, readers. I'm a magazine publisher. Forgive me, all our <laughs> listeners. Uh, the idea of setting up a blog, and I don't know whether anybody who's listening has done this, but I'm thinking of, t of setting up a blog using my GR particularly and doing it as a shot a day blog. Oh, wow. I have to take a photograph every day that is worthy of being seen. You know, so it's got to, it can't be just a snapshot of my dog. It's got to be a, a photograph. I mean, some days I'm just sitting here writing. So what photograph do I take here in my office? But it's a photo a day that, uh, you know, is, is, you know, taken while I'm doing my, doing my life and putting it on the blog each day with a brief description of what it is and why I took it and, you know, making it something worthwhile. Um, this is a, a follow-up from a, uh, a project that a photographer in Sydney, Francis Mocknick, hello Francis if you're listening, was told, was asked to do by Fuji who gave her a little compact camera, it was a little film-based compact camera. Uh, she and another photographer, I think it was David Oliver but I can't remember, their assignment was to do a self-portrait every day. Whoa. Um, and no matter where they, and they could only, and because it was film, they could only take one frame that day on that camera and the moment and whether they and when they taken it that was it they could that was it they couldn't take any more pictures that day with that camera uh, I wouldn't necessarily place such harsh rules on myself because Frances said that you know she'd go out and she'd think oh this is my photo and then later she'd be driving by some forest fire and <laughs> don't yeah, <right>. um, <laughs> you know and she had to appear in some way shape or form in the photograph it was a self-portrait and the way that she manipulated uh, you know herself into these self-portraits um, you know sometimes it was the shadow of herself sometimes it, she'd be you know reclining next to the pool so her legs would, you know and feet would appear you know from the bottom of the frame and lead on into the photo the, uh, you know photo of herself uh, in the mirror as she came you know, she sort of in a dressing gown and, a, and her towel as a turban with a steamy mirror and that was a great shot and um, I think it was a and what it basically taught her was that you know there are photo opportunities every day and also by placing yourself in 
the photograph, you realize just what's going on in your life. You're reminded yeah. of, you know, that your life is not necessarily that boring. I'm thinking of doing something like that, but not with the same criteria. But uh, making sure that I take a shot a day that's, you know, worthy of being seen by however many people want to log onto this blog. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's a challenge to me. And it also is a reminder to me that, you know, hey, my life is interesting, you know, or I can make it interesting if I don't think it is simply by, now, what photo am I going to take? And uh, you love your thoughts on that if you're listening. Did you ever see the movie Smoke with Harvey Keitel? No, I haven't. <laughs> you should watch it. It's okay. about this guy and he runs a little corner um, convenience store. And it's more of a cigarette store. Mm -hmm. And every morning at, at like 8 o'clock or 8.30, he, he would walk outside and stand right at the front of... Because his, his door to his shop was at a 45-degree angle on a street corner. Right. So he would walk out and stand on the front step of his shop and take a photo looking in exactly the same direction, like at a 45-degree angle across the intersection, mm. every single day on, on this little compact film camera. And he had photo album after photo album after photo album of just years and years and years of the same shot taken at the same time every day. Mm. And, and there was just this really poignant scene where uh, a guy comes into his shop and they get talking about it and he, he pulls out one of these albums and this guy is flicking through looking at these photos and then all of a sudden he just stops and he points and he goes, wow, that was my girlfriend walking to work and she's dead now. Oh, wow. As, <laughs> it's just such an, an amazing concept that this guy would just go out and take the same shot every single day just for the different people that were passing by at the time or, mm. or whatever. Is it... <laughs> Yeah. I will have to look at that. I'll have <laughs> to watch that 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 movie. Uh, that you know that 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 sounds really interesting because just, I think the, the, once you once you were talking about you know the shot a day concept for the blog, it just immediately sprang to mind. Right. Oh, I'm going to have to get that movie out and have a have a look at it. That that sounds interesting. I'm no doubt the story, of course, develops, it develops from there. But further from there, yeah. But uh, I'll have to have to have a look. But yeah, it's an idea, and I I, I, I will probably do that with my uh, with my Ricoh GR, uh, just because it's my hip camera. Yep, uh, sits there on my hip all the time, and it's ready to go. But I've been using them as at Ricoh's request the Caplio GX100, which is a, a sort of uh, like the GR, but it has a built-in zoom um, with a little three-time zoom. But a lovely little camera, very very nice little camera. When I have a little bit more time with it. I'll talk about it, I think, a little more at length. Um, sure. It's, it's interesting to, to see these, these cameras. I, I, I know I talk about Ricoh a lot, and anyone would think I was on their payroll, but, you know, for a camera company that's not Nikon, not Canon, you know, not one of the big names. Well, they are a big name. They've been around a long time. Yeah. But uh, they just have some great little cameras. I'm really, really impressed with it. I remember the SLRs that they used to make in the 70s and the 80s, and they were fabulous cameras. We, uh, you know, the XR2S and the XR1S of the early 80s, these cameras were just awesome little, you know, for their time and for their cost. They just seem to be one of these companies who they uh, always stay just under the big flag, you know, but but they produce some fabulous cameras, and I'm really really impressed. So um, I will let you know more about this camera. But uh, if you think the idea of a photo a day blog is interesting, uh, let me know. I'll set it up and then let you know the link, and everybody can come and see what I do every day. Not that that's the thing you want to log in for, but to see whether it's possible to live a normal life and you know and 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 you know do your job and live with your family and do the things you've got to do, and nonetheless take an interesting photo a day. 
day. Now, it's, if you're a person who walks to work or takes the train to work, drives to work, cycles to work like you do, Bruce, mm -hmm. um, the photo a day thing is not impossible. In fact, you think of what you were just talking about, Smoke, the Harvey Keitel film. Yep. He didn't even go anywhere. He just stood outside <laughs> his shop and <laughs> took a photo a day. I think it's a great concept. And Frances Mocknick's, um, you know, uh, concept is even harder to do, but she did it and pulled out some great photographs because it was a challenge to her. Um, she challenged herself, or in fact, rather, she was challenged by Fuji to do it, and uh, it became an exhibition. And uh, I only saw some of the images, but um, they were, you know, they were fabulous. Francis lectured at the uh, Toowoomba Australian Photographic Society convention a year or so ago, and we caught up and we compared laptops, and she was going through these images that you know she'd scanned from the, the negatives, and uh, they were just just fabulous. So uh, I I would find that an interesting challenge. And I'd love to get the thoughts of listeners on that subject. I really would, mm. because uh, if even if they want to do it themselves, I think it would be a great challenge, and everybody'd be interested. We could form this community, this fraternity of day of, uh, photo a day photographers, to see what we're doing, and uh, and how we're meeting that challenge. It would be be interesting. The other thing that that does is it gets us out of what we you know sometimes have a problem with, and that's creative block. Um, yeah. I was talking to you know a photographer yesterday. I said, "Do you keep your camera with you?" And no, no, you know, no. I don't want to carry it around all the time. And she's not a part of a camera club or anything like that. And uh, I think, boy, you know, sooner or later, the love you have for this fabulous thing, photography, will wane simply because you let life get in the way. But if you had a challenge like this set for yourself, that wouldn't happen. Um, and maybe you don't want to carry your SLR around with you, but if you've got a good little compact, I mean, we've talked about what they can do. And uh, I know what the GR can do, and now what the GX100 can do, and there's a million compacts like them that take awesome, awesome photographs. Uh, you know, I've done, I've done, you know, uh, very large prints from compact camera pictures. So even if you just want to put one on your hip and do, do one photo a day that you put on your blog, that would, you know, that would be an interesting thing. So anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, I have a couple <laughs> of things. Just twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, you can you can edit it, this, can't you, Bruce? Nah, you can, that's you, fine. You can, you can spend six hours editing this, can't you? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, we, th we got a thank you from Tsi Young, who says, yes, I did pronounce his name correctly and uh, answered his question, which was great. Um, he asks an interesting question. So, hello, Tsi Young. Nice to have you back. I didn't know you were a Melbourne man. So, uh, I went to your Flickr site and saw that you live here in sunny Melbourne. Good on you, mate. There you go. Uh, he thanks us. This is his other email. Hi, Sheldon. I was thinking of submitting some of my photos for an online photo competition. I'm wondering if you could advise me on how photos are judged and what are the things that judges look for in a photograph. I know you're a very busy man, yes, and I'm still waiting for your responses to my two previous emails. Well, there was only one previous email, Tsi Young. I don't know what you're talking about, young man. There is no rush in replying, okay? I look forward to your response. Well, I, you know that I've already uh, answered the one in a podcast, so um, here I'm doing the same thing again. Uh, what do judges look for? In a, in a photo competition. Uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7 and verse 1, a, a very famous young Jewish rabbi said, Judge not, yet lest ye be judged. I'm not a fan of uh, judging photos um, because, you know, uh, who, who's anybody to judge anybody else's photographs, even as he suggested that we do not judge each other. Um, in a you know in a condemnatory fashion, uh, I think that um, 
you know, it, it is a good process in one way, provided that it's it's it doesn't get you down, um, and uh, and you're the kind of person who can handle the idea that one another person's personal opinion was placed upon your images uh, right or wrong and secondly whether it was you know good or bad you you move on from it but what do they look for well I think they would look for and this is what I would look for I'm asked to judge a bit by camera clubs and things but they've all learned at least the Melbourne ones that I'm not a fan of judging coming down and judging a competition I know it's a necessary evil but I would just prefer to come down and teach um, but what do what do I look for and what do probably the fairest or you know uh, most uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, um, no, the, the fairest photographers, I suppose, would, would say. They would look for, first, is it usually a competition is set up for a theme. That theme may be very broad or it may be very specific. Uh, if you've just tried hard to fit a photo you already took in with that theme and it doesn't quite work, it'll be dismissed because themes are set to teach photographers certain skills in certain arenas that they may not have. Uh, if you're a camera club and you've set a theme, it's obviously with the intention to expand the club members' abilities. You know, every photo club has the landscape guy and the portrait guy and the nude guy and the still life guy. The wide you know, angle guy. <laughs> what's, yeah, the wide angle guy. And, the, and you, Paul, you, you love to do, you know, uh, uh, powwow photographs. And everybody has their thing. And you can get stuck in that. And the idea of a theme is to say, okay, I know you're a portrait shooter, but we're really going to be judging still life. So it's a good thing. In that, it's good. But, you know, provided that the judging doesn't get stupid. So, is it aligned with the theme? Secondly, the thing I would look for is, is the subject highlighted? This is a big thing for me because usually images have a caption attached to them. And that caption is, you know, tree in morning light. Well, thank you. Okay, that's terrific. <laughs> but if the photo does not scream at me, tree in morning light, you know, or man standing in shadows, and you have to tell me that in words, then you lose because you shouldn't even have to caption your photograph it really should just tell you you know what it is that subject should be the focal point of the image so many photographs we see don't have a focal point the photographer has tried to include too much context and in the two-dimensional reality the the image and not the three-dimensional reality it's very hard for you to stay to to say what is this photo about uh, you know if your girlfriend's standing in a scene somewhere as you're traveling together and you take her photograph you know your wife or your husband or your kids you're connected to them in because you're there and it's all very real but in a photograph it doesn't necessarily work that way you are emotionally connected to the photo and so you see the subject but the viewer doesn't necessarily because he's not emotionally connected to whatever it was that made you take the picture so you have to establish photographically the focal point what is the subject that you just want to direct the viewers eye to if you've done that that's a good thing you would do that by you know exposing for it depth of field focusing for it um, you know composing for it placing it on a th on a third point or, or whatever it might be using leading lines and patterns you would do those things to make sure that the subject is highlighted and it's in accord with the theme and next, of course, you would have to judge the technicals. You know, is the depth of field appropriate for the subject? Is the exposure correct? 
uh, is the color correct uh, in the image? Uh, or if it's not correct, is it deliberately incorrect? And of course, sharpness. Sharpness is a big thing. Judges are big on sharpness. You know, we have the best cameras and the best lenses with so much resolution. And if you can't get the darn thing sharp, then, you know, it will be a, it will be a negative. Now, some photographs, of course, do not want sharpness uh, and blur and those kinds of things can be deliberate. But if the image is supposed to be sharp and it isn't, then you'll have a problem. So there's just a few things that judges would look for if they were judging, you know, uh, if you wanted to enter the, the competition. Of course, the photo should just, if, if you're on an online competition, they usually have a lot of images. And the thing about an online photo competition is that usually they're displayed in the screen in smaller sort of thumbnail sized images. And the image therefore should scream at you at a smaller size. That way it stands out from the rest of them. I don't know how judges screen or go through the images, whether they go through them at full screen resolution or whether they just go through pages of thumbnails and say that one, uh, that one, that one. If they do that, then your photograph needs to really yell, hello, look at me in thumbnail size or, or you know, a couple of hundred pixels across if that's, the, you know, or a hundred pixels across if that's all the thumbnail size is. If, uh, you know, if it doesn't, you could be bypassed, overlooked. So just, there's a couple of things to consider as you're submitting your photo, see, and I hope that, uh, I hope that helps you. But let's return back to you, Paul. Now, Paul Gowder has asked us several questions, and we really appreciate that, mate. Thank you very much for keeping us in the loop about what you're doing and, and you know, how you're coping with the photographs that you take at uh, the powwows that you go to. Uh, I have looked at your, your images, and, and, and let's just talk about it, because Paul, as many of us, constantly battles with flash and the... Uh, technique of, of flash in large areas like arenas uh, and and you know mixing it with ambient light if at all possible Paul I'll read your email I hope you don't mind and uh, we'll we'll sort through this because this is an excellent question and we'll talk about how you can overcome it uh, and I'd like everyone listening who's really interested in this subject and finds themselves in similar situations to go to Paul's website and see what his the nature of his photography and the problems that he encounters. And what what is Paul's website? Well, Paul says here that it's www.powwows.com. That's p-o-w-w-o-w-s.com. But I know there's also powwowimages.com. Um, so either of those um, have Paul's right. photography on them. And I would suggest that you check it out if you really want to benefit from this particular podcast because Paul faces uh, an issue that... Uh, all of us face from time to time and that is when something is far away and you want to illuminate it and you, want, you need to use flash how do you make it look like you haven't used flash which isn't always possible but you know there are a couple of things that you can do so let me just read his email and talk about it bit by bit as we go through answering the questions that he raises so that we can at the end of it have a better idea of how to handle this problem he says, I felt that after my last powwow trip, my flash work was much better, but on my most recent trip, I have some more questions. This is the same place I went to last year that I emailed you about, I think. I had the problem last year of not using shutter speed fast enough for hand-holding my 70 to 200 mil lens. The photos had some camera shake problems. So this year, I used a monopod, which is good thinking. A monopod is a great thing, and if you haven't got one, go out and get one, especially if you're you know, using long lenses a fair bit uh, in situations that require perhaps slower shutter speeds. They allow you a lot of movement, but they still keep your camera nice and stable. 
My first question is, what is the general rule about shutter speeds with that? Can I shoot at one to, uh, 125th or, or 200th uh, speed on the monopod, or should I stay at 250th and above? That's an interesting question. Paul, if I had my lens on a monopod, I, I would actually risk going much lower. Uh, because a monopod is basically, you know, a, a tripod, and it's, some monopods have little have little legs at the bottom that actually keep it very still. It's quite quite fascinating. Um, they splay out the bottom of, of the monopod. So if you're buying a monopod, you can make sure that you, you buy one that perhaps has that, and it really keeps your camera quite stable, uh, and yet doesn't give you the restriction of, a, say, a tripod that you'd have to, you know, move the whole thing, uh, and it's much more heavy. So uh, I would I would even suggest you could go lower, provided you, you know, just keep yourself relatively still. I would, you know, I would I would look a fifteenth, a thirtieth. That might sound ridiculous, but on a monopod, heck. I'd risk it. I really would. Um, you know, 250th and above, you could do. But usually, when we talk about that rule of thumb that you match shutter speed with focal length, you know, if I'm using a 200 mil lens, I need to have a 200th of a second shutter speed. That sort of thing applies when you are hand holding. But this is a monopod, Paul, and so it do, it no longer applies. I would, depending on what I was photographing, I'd use a telephoto lens on a tripod at any shutter speed because it's not moving. As long as your subject isn't moving too much or moving at all, you're fine. So whatever you think you can handle, that's really the general rule for you. The other thing is your subject's movement. Now, in the case of a powwow where people are dancing, moving, I wouldn't have a problem with the movement, provided that it wasn't to the point where it blurs the entire subject. If it's someone dancing, their arms may move and their hands may move a little, but their head and chest and shoulders may not move a lot. Now that's a good thing because you'd have the image that, that matters in terms of identifying the subject sharp. But the suggestion of movement in the limbs, hands, legs, that's a good thing. Uh, otherwise, and I will make this comment if you, if you don't mind, I'll make this comment, there's a, an element of, of of uh, non-movement in your images, Paul, that that detracts from the potential that they have to actually show how fascinating these dances are. I would try actually to use slower shutter speeds to get more movement in the hands and legs, and uh, otherwise they look a bit they look a bit still. And moving subjects need to be appearing as if they're moving. So you could use slower shutter speeds. Maybe you could use the rear sync that you were talking about a few episodes back. I I would if he's I would, not already. I'm, yeah, I would not. Well, I can't see that there's an evidence of that in no, his. No, I don't either. His, I'm looking at him no. at the moment, and I can't see that that, that that's the case. But uh, he also but, but has I'm seen suggesting to, would would that work for him? Perhaps it would work to some degree. Um, absolutely, it's not. A, but what we're and I would that would be what I would do. As I've said, in situations like this, I always have my camera and flash settings on rear or slow anyway. Uh, so that it, you know, the, the flash actually complements rather than overwhelms the image. Yeah. Um, and he then goes on to list, uh, he says, this year I tried to mix in the flash and that raises my other concerns. And he, sh he highlights two photographs. You can see the arena looks bright in this photo and then the other mm -hmm. one that he refers to, he says, the background now looks very dark. Is that just a result of using the flash? Is there anything else I can do to get a mix between the two? Yes. Paul, you've really answered the question already. You're shooting at too high a shutter speed and your flash is the primary source of light. Uh, it also makes everything appear very still and because flash freezes. Uh, the rear curtain sync idea is that you get the combination of movement and 
still and sharpness in the one photograph. You can't necessarily do that because of the, the your lack of proximity to the subject, but you can certainly mix flash with ambient and don't be too scared to get a little bit of blur. So, you know, if you're using uh, a 30th or a 60th, you may not get a lot of movement in the head and chest and shoulders, but you will definitely get it in hands and legs. That's a good thing. In a dance photograph, that's a good thing. Uh, Can I just and ask a quick question? Yeah. I have this theory, and I'd like to hear whether you agree with it or, or disagree with it, and that is that when you're shooting with flash, the changing of the shutter speed really won't change the amount of light that gets to your sensor where a change of aperture will. Would you agree with that or not? Um, oh, no, no. Usually, um, the, well, they, they both do, yes, because your depth, your, your flash is related to your aperture, very much so in terms of guide number. But, but what I'm saying is if you, if you don't change the aperture mm. and take the same shot at, say, 1 60th and at 1 125th, the amount oh, no. of light will be no different. There won't be much different in a dark... No, yeah. absolutely not. Right. Okay. But if you went to a 15th or a 30th... Yeah. Yeah. That's where you'd start to see a difference because, you know, you're allowing time uh, for the, for, because your, yep. your flash, your flash is all really about, it is about aperture because the power of your flash is directly related to how, you know, the, how open your aperture is. Yeah. Uh, and, but how the exposure uh, affects and how movement is affected is all about time uh, and your shutter speed is very important so you would be able to keep your aperture open at 2.8 but if you brought your shutter speed down Paul you would get a, gr a better mix of the ambient light with flash uh, and also you, it, that would relate to your next question which is um, about the shadows uh, behind the subject he said uh, uh, I had several photos that had shadows behind the subject. I didn't have that problem on the trip I emailed about last time, but last time I was level with the subjects. This time I was elevated about five feet above them. Does that make a difference? Well, yes, because you're looking because the floor appears in your photographs and it didn't in the last. And so, yes, you've got something to cast a shadow on. So think about that. It's like using flash when we, uh, you know, when we take. Uh, people up against a wall you know we if we take them two feet away from the wall then there's a thumping big shadow behind them if we put them right against the wall then there's a very thin outline of a shadow if we remove them completely away from anything that can that a shadow can can fall on we don't have a shadow at all so uh, yes try to minimize perhaps the uh, you know the elevation so that uh, you're shooting up and therefore there will be no flash shadow because you know you're you're photographing upward and there's there would be very little shadow unless of course your exposure was entirely about flash in which case if you're an arena that shadow will go way up uh, into the audience behind so that really this is understanding flash and we've talked about this many times is is really about all those things the the mixing ambient light with flash is a great technique but uh, it takes a little bit of doing, obviously, to to you know to, to master. I you need to ask yourself when you're embarking upon this, what do I want to be my primary source of light, or perhaps what will have to be my primary source of light? If the answer is without a doubt flash, then perhaps you may just be, you know, it may just be necessary to use flash and go bang 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 bang. 
that's very rare, though. There's, that's very rare that you actually have to resort to that. I also don't. You haven't mentioned what ISO you're shooting at. Sometimes it's worth having a little bit of extra noise in your image that no one will really notice or see. That uh, and 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 you know have more ambient exposure. You know have more of the natural light registering in the image uh, to sacrifice a little bit of noise to get a little more ambience in the image. To me is worthwhile doing. So maybe try shooting at 400, 800, 1600 if you have to uh, to to get a you know a little bit more ambient light. Bracket that. Obviously, you're at these powwows for a little bit of time, and you're, you photograph different segments, different dances, different performances. Try using different ISOs, different shutter speeds, and, and come and just use one of these powwows as an experiment. So that when you come back, you have Paul Gowder's formula for powwows in your head. I did this, and it worked. Um, I think what you're doing, Paul, is you're going there and using perhaps one setting and thinking of, oh I think this is I think this will work and then you know finding later that maybe you it didn't if you need to experiment on one of these so that you get them you know the way you want them uh, in future but you could use from having a look at the uh, you know your website and we're all welcome to go and have a look at it I would suggest that you could perhaps at some of these use a little more ambient light and a little less flash simply because um, the flash tends to be you know uh, tends to remove shape and form like we've said because it's highly frontally directional and uh, the other thing is of course that um, it, it just it doesn't necessarily create an idea of movement or motion unless you're using a slower shutter speed and synchronizing with flash these are things that we all face and that's why I've raised your email as our subject for today Paul because uh, if we go to your website and see the photographs we can see that we all find ourselves in that situation sometime but there's n it's not necessary for flash especially with fast lenses these days it's not necessary for flash to be the primary light source and we can quite easily especially for using a monopod shoot at slower shutter speeds allow a little bit even if it's just a little bit more ambient light just to take away the idea of snap happy flash photography away from our images we allow just a hint of ambient to come in it can make all the difference and then we take that and we use those techniques in principle that we've learned in this circumstance and we apply them somewhere else. Then we're able to uh, apply the, you know, we're able to make all our images with flash work far more effectively. So I would suggest that everybody listening go to Paul's site, which is powwows.com or powwowimages.com, there's two, um, and, and have a look at what we're talking about that, so that you too benefit from Paul's question. That's why I've raised it because I thought. Paul's not alone here, you know, uh, he really isn't. Uh, he is all of us because we're all in that circumstance or situation sometime and we want to get photographs at performances, but either we can't use flash or it just won't work, you know, the way we want it to. So have a look at the site, take in this information and uh, let's continue as we've done to sort out the issues between flash and ambient on, on Shutters Inc. Uh, as we go in the weeks ahead. Mm. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to finish off with. Uh, mm -hmm. One is m sort of related to what you're just talking about, about what ISO Paul's shooting at and, and perhaps needing to move up to a higher ISO and, you know, tolerating the noise that comes with that. As I was explaining to Shelton just before we started recording, I've been talking with Philip Andrews, who is, uh, you know, widely regarded as one of Australia's best Photoshop uh, mm. image manipulators. 
yes. And Philip produces his own magazine called Better Photoshop Techniques. Mm. And interestingly, in the edition that has just hit the newsstands now, which I think is issue nine, he has an article about how you can reduce the noise from a high ISO image in Photoshop. And it's to do with using layers and masks and all sorts of things. And Philip has expressed an interest, or at least held out the offer to me, to make an appearance on Shutters Inc. So that might be something we'll uh, we'll get him on board to have a chat about, because that would obviously be of great benefit to mm. our listeners. Mm. Mm. Yes, so, for sure. So that was one thing I wanted to address. The other thing that I wanted to address, and you'll probably already have noticed it by the time you actually get to hear this podcast, and that is that uh, this weekend uh, I'm going to be completely rebuilding the audiotu.com website. I'm migrating the entire thing to a WordPress blog. Mm. Uh, this has been underway for probably the last month. Uh, I've been getting some help from a guy called Phil Messine who does a podcast called uh, Afrikaans in Sydney. Mm. And Phil's, a, Phil's an expert uh, in the Perl programming language and he's been helping me a lot just migrating the entire site to a wordpress blog we've got it running uh, invisibly at the moment so that we could do lots of testing and the plan is is that on sunday morning he's coming over here to my house and we're going to flick the switch over and the old audio2.com website will disappear and the wordpress blog will take its place and hopefully it will have all gone seamlessly and like i said by the time you're hearing this you will have already noticed that the website has changed so um yeah so you'll now be able to leave comments related to specific posts so when a podcast goes up you'll be able to go and log in and leave comments regarding that particular episode of the podcast and all those funky things that come with a wordpress blog oh fabulous what a great idea yeah Good on you. What a great! You, well, hopefully that, that 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 gives us as a uh, worldwide fraternity a lot more chance to interact with one another. Absolutely, and and respond, you know, to the various podcasts you have in terms of how they have uh, affected us, either for the good or for the bad. Hopefully for the good, mm-hmm. and helped us out in certain things. So um, I'll be there regularly. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll well, be I've good. I've already already got the link to your blog on the uh, the list of blog links on the side. So um, thank you. No and worries. if I do this photo a day thing, can we yeah, do that yeah, as well? Absolutely, I'll be linking to that as well as soon as you oh. give me a link to it so okay all right thank you very much Mate, I no worries. That. <laughs> that's great and that's if, any, great. if any of our listeners out there already have blogs that are photographically related then by all means uh you're welcome to you know send me an email and say hey bruce this is my blog if you want to link to it you know go right ahead sign the thing and i'll uh, i'll add those uh, as well you're one hell of a nice guy has anyone ever told you that <laughs> They have, but I didn't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> believe it, folks. He's, one hell of, he's a hell of a nice guy. Excellent, mate. Well, thank you for all of that. No worries. Once again, a pleasure. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll talk with you next week. You bet. Looking forward to it. All right, mate. Take care. See you. Bye. Now, how much of that did you understand? Audio to You delivers the best quality podcasts direct to your desktop or portable. You be the boss. Hear what you want to hear. When you want to hear it. Hit us today. And remember, control D to bookmark. Audio to you.com. <laughs> it's all over, Mark. It's all over. <laughs>